right, so it, uh, I'm David. I'm an organist. And I'm Ian, and I'm a priest. And this is All Things Right and Musical. Um, it seems like all anybody in the Episcopal Church can talk about right now is the coronavirus and how it affects our congregations, and specifically, like, each and every one of our liturgical practices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's really there's really nothing that's exempt from concern at this point. And I think, I think that's prudent to pay attention to all this stuff. Um, and you, we've, we've already seen some different responses in different dioceses and different parishes, um, especially in regards to the common cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although not just that, especially in places where there have been outbreaks, there's, it's been around the common cup. It's been around the peace. It's been around coffee hour. Yeah. Um, especially lately it's, you know, the house of bishops had a, an online meeting, I think this week. And since then, a number of bishops have issued statements and they've talked a lot about passing the offering plate and about the, about coffee hour. Right. And I hadn't heard anyone talk about those prior to that, that virtual meeting in the house of bishops. I don't think, Yeah. at least not, at least not to this, this much of a degree. So I feel like that was a point of emphasis in that call. And we are a liturgical podcast, so is it safe to refer to coffee hour as the 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 uh, what the third sacrament? <laughs> That's very. Were you were you hedging on the numbers there? What, I, did I call I, it? I was doing a lot of hedging just all the way around. Do I, do I call it the eighth sacrament? The eighth sacrament. The, which which the, which one is going to be acceptable with Ian? The the sixth sacramental <laughs> rite. I don't know. Because um, Johann Sebastian Bach is often referred to as the fifth evangelist. Ah, I see. So, I mean, I guess you could just pipe Bach in at coffee hour and you'd have you'd have the general idea for both things. Yeah. yeah. That That's did, what we do. Is that not what you do? That, that, uh, that didn't make any sense. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> well, which which sacrament would it be? Well, I mean, it's I don't I don't think you could make an argument that it's a dominical sacrament, right? Uh, well, it's on Sundays. Oh, yeah. dominical means of our Lord. Is that what it means? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Jesus liked, he liked to party. I mean, the first miracle was at a wedding. Uh, it was definitely at like the, the reception. So it's true. Although I think the third dominical sacrament has to be foot washing. Uh-huh. Yeah. But anyway. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Well, that's, that's yet another thing that we have not talked about in regards to coronavirus. Oh yeah, I mean, because because Holy Week is coming up, so I think foot washing will be on the table, so to speak. I'm yes, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it probably will. So where do you, where, where, yeah, where do you come down on all this? Well, I mean, uh, luckily this is not my area of responsibility, so I've I've been listening to all the conversations and I've been um, aware of some places that have have. Uh, either withheld the common cup or have sort of tried to do everything. But, um, yeah, there was one really interesting, um, email that I got that said, you know, um, following the directions of the, of the diocese, we will be, we will not be offering, we will not be encouraging you to drink from the common cup or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they also had to sort of say, but following the rubrics of the prayer book, the cup will be available and here's how you get it. <laughs> yeah. So that is a really interesting, that is kind of a really interesting state of affairs. Um, because I don't, I don't know that this is something necessarily that, that any prayer book has really envisioned. What do you do 
in the case of a, a global pandemic, which I think as of a few hours ago, um, that's officially what this is. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, and I think it, I I want to be clear up front that I think everybody is everybody is. You have to assume everyone is acting, uh, on their best possible judgment. Right. You know. Right. I I think it's possible to get very cynical, uh, because this is a heated discussion and it is a it is a heated issue and people have some very strong opinions about it. And it's very easy to get caught in the in the polarization that that sort of is the is the um, theme of today. It seems like right, and assume bad faith on the part of those who disagree with you. And I think that's really dangerous. I think that everybody is trying to do what they think is best in this situation. Right. But but we don't have but if you say that there is a very clear 100% obvious answer as to what the best thing to do is i d- i don't believe you <laughs> yeah i don't think it's clear and i don't think it's uh, it's certainly not going to be the same in every case i mean i'm i'm talking to you from um a neighborhood in st louis where i happen to know that there's actually a case of coronavirus just a few minutes from here right um and yet you know, I'm I'm much less anxious sitting in this church today than I would be if I were uh, in Seattle, for instance. Yeah. Um, and so I know that one of the first responses that I saw was from the cathedral in Seattle, um, yeah. and that they had uh, drained baptismal fonts and made recommendations about the common cup, etc. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, one thing one thing that does and and you know, like you said everybody's making a a good faith argument here. But one thing that has come to the fore in this is the practice of intinction. Yeah. Um, And probably, you know, how widespread that is, which as someone who does not administer communion at the rail, I'm not really, I'm not really aware of, of how many people intinct in my own parish, let alone the Episcopal church as a whole. Right. But, you know, I think that practice is pretty widespread. And I think uh, at a time like this, we are right to discourage it. Yeah, I so you're right. I think in terms of in terms of obvious things that we can do, that's that's very high up there. Um, but it is that it does, is obvious. Sorry. No, I'm just gonna say it's obvious to you and me. But that doesn't make it less difficult or painful for people to hear, right. if that's their preferred method for receiving both elements of the Eucharist. Right. Or if they if they think that it's safer because it stands to reason. Right. I mean, like common sense would tell you, oh, it's safer if I just dip a little tiny bit of the wafer. Absolutely. Well, it's not it's not because you can slip and your fingers can go in the whole thing. You can get your fingers on the on the cup itself, you know, and, blah, blah, blah. And you've already touched the wafer and then you're dipping you're dipping yeah. that whole wafer into the into the wine anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that really is counterintuitive. I mean, I think you're right that the reason people do that is they're like, oh, well, this is more sanitary because I don't have to put my lips on that cup. Right. Um, but when you sort of explain to them, actually, the, the danger is probably higher. Uh, of contamination through that method, um, yeah. people have to sort of reanalyze their thinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think so, but I think where I come down on it is, are we going to get to a point where the entirety of American society is going to isolate itself for a period of two weeks or longer? Uh, I, I, I just, 
I don't I don't see that as possible for everyone. No, and I do but I do think, you know, this week we've seen the the um suspension of in-person classes yeah. at um, you know, numerous colleges and universities. And so yeah. I think there is sort of a concerted effort on the part of a lot of uh, leaders of, of different institutions to implement whatever kind of social distancing they can. Yeah. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if um, more and more churches kind of follow that lead and sort of offer an alternative to Sunday services, uh, gathering in person for Sunday services as a, yeah. as a part of this, uh, as a part of this period of time. And I, my my strong preference would be to very cautiously continue offering services and particularly the Eucharist uh, for those who know that they're either not at high risk or, or are otherwise willing to limit their exposure to people who are high risk and mm-hmm. to take every, every possible precaution. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I, I, you know, I recognize that this is unique in some ways but I don't want to establish the precedent whereby when we're worried, we stop offering Eucharist and we stop offering in-person, in-person worship and community. I think we need to be very careful. I think that we need to encourage people uh, to, to, to opt out of whatever they need to opt out, particularly if they're at high risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I do, I, I have serious reservations about trying to cancel services for a month at a time, um, or, or just offering the bread and not offering the cup. Um, I, I don't know. I just, it's something I really, really struggle with. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's just, it is, it is interesting to see these conversations take place and, you know, I, I'm, I'm when I see the the complexity of the issues and the uncertainty of the issues involved in making these decisions. Um, yeah, I'm grateful that I, I'm not responsible for that decision making. Yeah, but I I do want to I do want to examine for a minute that that idea of uh, receiving the Eucharist in both kinds, uh-huh. um, because something that I've always known and and granted I I'm not a liturgical dilettante. I, I, I've been sort of around this stuff and intimately involved in this stuff for a long time. But the idea of, you know, receiving a quote unquote complete Eucharist in one kind only, I'm very familiar with that idea. Right. Um, so for instance, just receiving the bread would constitute full communion mm-hmm. or, um, you know, it, it's, it's been, you, you could imagine a circumstance with someone uh, who's not able to swallow um, being being given just a few one or two drops of wine, right, and, and that constituting for them a full communion. Um, so I, I'm familiar with that idea, but I, I'm also with you that this idea that no one would be able to access the cup except maybe the celebrant. Um, that's a, that's a difficult thing to. That's just a surprising thing to encounter. I mean, when uh, a few weeks ago, I never would have really had that idea that that would be something we'd be talking about. Yeah. I mean, but it, it, it's a classic, in some ways, it's a classic ethical dilemma. Um, and people are always going to, are, are going to say one, one good trumps another, right? So mm-hmm. like, 
the, but ethics is always the study of competing goods. So does the good of not doing harm, meaning not potentially spreading infection among people who don't realize that someone in the community has it, does that outweigh the, the, the good that is, uh, you know, sort of respect for autonomy and informed consent and letting people decide whether or not they want to participate in this behavior that we know carries some risk but but you know the science behind it seems to say that risk is statistically insignificant you mean uh drinking from the common cup right yeah yeah Yeah, that that is a really hard thing that is a hard thing to know so i my wife considers herself a really science-based person uh-huh. So I, I tried to present present her with these studies and say, yeah, I received from the Common Cup on Sunday, and I did so as a as an informed um, communicant, uh-huh. and uh, I think I would do so again next week. And she looked at the studies and said, absolutely not. I don't want you to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> she was not she was not convinced. In other words, right. And, and you know, in fairness, like there has been some study of this, but there haven't been really thorough studies with large groups of people and and that would be kind of unusual to expect that 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 the cdc or or other research organizations would have done really thorough studies with something like this in mind yeah so like episcopal church foundation get on that yeah is that who we need to task with uh, i i I honestly don't know What what's the science arm of the Episcopal Church? Maybe they can. Maybe that's something they can take on. I don't know. Sorry, I just saw something on Twitter that I wanted to check out. Someone said something about Episcopalians in D.C. just can't worship right now. Oh really? Yeah. National Cathedral and hundreds of churches in Maryland, D.C., Virginia, to close for two weeks. Wow. So this is breaking news as we're recording this. Yeah. Episcopal churches in the district and the Maryland and Virginia suburbs, including Washington National Cathedral. Bishop Marianne Buddy for the Diocese of Washington said all buildings would be completely closed until March 25th. Well, so I, I didn't predict it very far in advance, but I did predict it. The Bishop of Virginia, Susan Goff, said the Diocese of Virginia will do the same. Wow. So we're recording this um, on the afternoon of Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. And so we're just reading for the first time um, what Ian has just has just told you, that some of these churches in uh, the Diocese of Washington and Virginia will be closing for two weeks. Is that, is that, what, you, is that what you're reading? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm in the middle of the country, and so my sense is is that our infection rates are kind of lagging behind the rest of the coasts, and that you know, if a two week closure is coming for us, it will probably be two weeks, you know, a couple weeks from now, and uh, yeah. so I'll be really interested to see if we celebrate Easter or not. Oh man. Well, tell you what, I know we're going to celebrate Easter. I'll be interested to know whether we celebrate Easter on the day. Or, right. or if we have special dispensation from the bishop to move Easter this year. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Wild. 
Well, so, I mean, just very quickly, um, I'll suggest to you, Father Lash, that we may need to record another episode about (laughs) (laughs) you? what do you do liturgically when your parish is closed for two weeks? Yeah. And I suspect you uh, do some Facebook Live morning prayers, etc. Right. Yeah. Well, listeners, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Wash your hands. 20 seconds. You know the drill. Uh, I will, Ian and I will be praying for you. Yes. And uh, let's pray for each other and take care of each other. Indeed. Thanks for joining us for this episode of All Things Right and Musical about the coronavirus and worship. Let us know what you think. You can tell us on Twitter or on Facebook or at Gmail at writeandmusical at gmail.com. We we should start a spin-off podcast called All Things Music and Radical. What would that be about? 80s music. Oh. Okay. Um you might have to find another co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you're talking about like the 1680s cuz I'd I'd be down with that. Okay. 1580s. Also uh-huh. also okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Good to know.